Welcome to CapeCast Audio 20. This is the 20-minute weekly podcast from the city of Cape Coral, Florida. I'm Connie Barron. I'm the public information director for the city of Cape Coral, and I host this weekly program. It has been a couple of weeks since I've done a podcast, had some vacation time in there, and now I'm back, and I'm very pleased to have as my guest today Sheena Milliken, our budget administrator. Sheena, welcome to the program. Thank you. We're going to talk about the budget process and what's involved with that, just to kind of explain to our listeners uh, some of the more, not necessarily technical aspects, but just to give them some concept of what's involved with putting together a budget for a municipality. Before we do that, why don't you just tell our listeners a little bit about your background and about when you came to Cape Coral and how long you've been working with the city. Sure. My husband and I uh, became residents in 1983, and I've been employed with the city since 1991, so about almost 21 years now. That's a long time. Yes. Looking forward to that day when you can finally say, okay, it's it's time to call it a career. Yes, I am. Um, the budget, when you're putting together a budget, now you've been doing this, as you said, for a number of years. Um, when you put together a budget, it's not something that you do in a very short time frame. So explain to the listeners, first of all, what is the purpose of a municipal budget? Um, a municipal budget is very much like your own personal budget. Um, it serves the purpose of a financial plan, your roadmap for what you intend to um, spend and where those funds are going to come from for your spending. The city has obligations, just like you have it at your home, um, to pay your bills, pay your mortgage, and we have debt service. And so it's our, our financial plan to make our obligations during the year. Now, we also have a, a, a document, a financial document called a, a comprehensive annual financial report. And sometimes we will have residents who will um, make comments in a, in a public meeting and compare the uh, comprehensive annual financial report, also known as a CAFR, against or with the city's budget. But what is the difference between the budget and the CAFR? Um, your budget is prepared. We start preparing it about um, nine months before the fiscal um, year begins. So it really is in about 21 in months in advance of when the CAFR comes out. And the CAFR will show what the actual activity was while the budget has what was planned. And also CAFR will give you what your year-end financial position was. So it will take all of those revenues that you had, all those expenditures, and then say, you know, here's your financial position at year-end where the budget is just the plan for that. And it may not necessarily reflect, you know, what actually happened. And explain what the budget year is and the fiscal year is for a, for a city, because it's different sometimes with, with the city and states. Right. The city, our fiscal year is from October 1st to September 30th. And um, we usually adopt a budget um, required by statute. We'll adopt it about two weeks before the fiscal year starts. And then the CAFR has to be finished six months after the fiscal year ends. So you're looking at a large window between the two documents when they're produced and the information contained in okay. them. And a CAFR, if, if I was going to use an analogy, is more like looking in the rearview mirror to see where you've been and what you've done. Um, and the budget is more like looking out through the front, the, the main window, and looking ahead as to where you're going to go in the next fiscal year. Yes, absolutely. The, the cities are required, unlike the federal government, to provide a balanced budget, correct? Yes. 
Yes, Florida statute requires that um, we have a balanced budget, and our balanced budget is not only the new revenues that we have, but it's um, the amounts that we bring forward from prior years, like maybe your savings account that you had at home. As you do your own budget, you say, you know, here's the monies I'm going to get from my pensions or my um, Medicare payments, and, you know, here's my savings account, and we use those as well. When when you're looking at planning a budget, it has to be adopted by September 30th. Yes. It goes into effect on October the 1st. And once that occurs, then it seems like almost within a few months, our budget uh, section or division and staff is already looking at the next year's budget. So how can you start planning um, a budget in January when you're basically going to be relying on information that you're going to receive later on in the year. And we're talking about property values, that we get the property values from the property appraiser, and we have to use those values when we're trying to plan our budget for the next fiscal year. So how can you in January uh, start planning a budget for the next year when you don't even know what your property values are going to be yet? Um, there's two parts of the budget, your expense side or what you plan to spend, and then your revenue side, and that's tied to your June 1st value numbers. Um, we take the information on the expense side and we start building that so we can look at the programs, we can look at um, our staffing levels, we can look at our capital needs, we can look at our operational needs, start evaluating programs in advance. So when we get our values in June, we're already prepared for what those values will be. So we're able to then apply the revenue against and make whatever last adjustments we have. And you have to do some uh, some forecasting, too. Yes. And some est estimating on what those values might be. Um, how has the city typically done historically as far as uh, when they start planning in January being pretty close to what is, is going to be coming from the property appraiser in June and July? We have been fairly successful um, with all of the foreclosures in the last few years. It's it's hard to judge because the property appraiser, we look at the sales that have been happening. We compare the sales on the property against what their prior year values have been and have done some estimations. We're fairly close, but, you know, until the property appraiser comes out, it really, we don't know for sure. And that's, and, and that has been a challenge, uh, even more so in the past few years, just because of, like you mentioned, the foreclosures, the short sales. Um, you can do your best prognosticating, and and it sounds like the uh, the budget division does an awful lot of information gathering and monitoring as well. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. We we try to. We've we've not been as able to as much lately as we had in the past, but we would monitor the monthly sales that came across through the property appraiser site and compare those strap numbers against previous years so we could see how the sales were tracking so we could see the values on individual properties or areas of the city where the values were dropping. When we're talking about the budget, what are some of the main components of the City of Cape Coral's budget? Um, the one thing that's very different about a city budget is it's based on funds and the general fund is our primary operating fund and we get ad valorem taxes that are the primary revenue source for that fund. That'll pay, pay for our police and our fire 
and our basic administrative costs. Then we also have special revenue funds, which those are funds that are restricted for a purpose, like the gas taxes we receive. They're exclusive for transportation expenditures. Um, then we have enterprise funds, which those funds are intended to operate like businesses. Their primary revenues come from charges for service. That's your water and sewer fund, your stormwater fund, your golf course fund. They're there to recover all their cost of their um, business through their charges for service and be able to pay for um, future obligations. Those funds, um, we have to build those as well. Our general fund is only about one quarter of our total budget. So our I was going to ask you, yes, yeah. what, what, what is the, what's the total budget and how much yeah. does the general fund make up? Um, our total budget's around 445 million and the general fund's about 145 million. So besides just focusing on the general fund and the values, even though that's our primary source, we also then have those other funds that we forecast and we calculate what their needs are. And we do a lot of um, multi-year forecasting and rate and modeling for those funds. We often will get the question, uh, when, when you're talking about the different enterprise funds, um, can, can money get moved around between these funds? And, and, and when it does, what are the rules regarding that? Because if we've got $445 million, some people say, well, why don't you take some money out of here and put it in here and use it here and use it there? And, and But there are some restrictions with that. Right. Um, most of the funds have restrictions on them. The general fund can support any fund. We can move any general revenues into any fund that we want. As far as moving funds into the general fund, that's where your restrictions come from. The gas tax funds, they're primary for transportation purposes. They do make um, transfers to the general fund, but it's to support the activities of median maintenance, road shoulder, pothole patching, and those types of expenditures. We, the water and sewer fund will make a transfer to the general fund, but it's for an inner fund service payment for the general administrative overhead costs that we incur on their behalf, for the human resources, for running their payroll every week, for the city manager's oversight, for the city attorney's support with ordinances and resolutions for that fund. So when the city residents out there and the property owners think about where their tax dollars go, the property tax dollars are used to support the general fund. Yes. And is our property tax dollars then the main revenue source for the general fund? Yes, they make up about 60 to 65 percent. It will vary every year, but it's about 60 to 65 percent. And they're almost equal to the cost of just the fire and the police department. Now, we mentioned that the uh, property appraiser is the office that provides us with the uh, property values each year. They have to provide us with a tentative number on, by June the 1st and then a more finalized number, I believe, by July the 1st. So it's past June the 1st. Uh, what did we hear from the property appraiser this year as far as the city of Cape Coral's property values? We had really good news that the values had increased by 3.5%. Uh, if the council were to keep the millage rate at the same rate, we would be achieving about $2.4 million of, more, of additional revenue over the current year. And um, we're very hopeful now that, that we've got over the hump and we're, we'll start seeing an uptick in our values. Now, that is a, a big change in, in comparison to what we've received when, when the news came out in past years, past recent years. What did we see occur over the past few years? Because we, we saw um, 
the property value values really hit the the really pinnacle back in around 2007. 2007. And since then, since the economic downturn, it's been a steady decline in some, <laughs> not really steady in our case, it just <clears throat> really dropped. What did we see happen over those years? Um, we were able to, We unfortunately, we had to cut capital spending. That was the first thing that we uh, eliminated. We had been very lucky during the, the good years, if you were, to contribute towards um, road resurfacing, to updating our park system, to replacing and keeping uh, a rolling stock for our police and fire in top condition. We were able to put most of our non-public safety vehicles on a good rotation for um, changing out after they reached a certain vehicle, certain mileage. Mm -hmm. We were able to, during the good years, invest quite a, a large amount into our capital. We were able to uh, replace critical public safety vehicles. We were able to invest in our park system, and we were able to pay for um, a portion of the road resurfacing program. So when our values dropped, the general fund was no longer able to make those contributions and make that investment in the capital, um, in the infrastructure of the city. We then also personnel costs are a very large portion of the cost in the general fund because we're a service organization. We were able to implement an early retirement system where almost 200 FTEs left the city. We were able to cut FTEs where um, positions became vacant. So we, we, weren't re we didn't have the need to lay people off. And then we looked at different programs. If they were on a five, if we did it five times a year, we cut it back to four times a year, things like that. And just looking, unfortunately, some training op opportunities were limit eliminated for the employees, but we've been able to hold the line and, and be where we need to be. When we when we look at the revenue then from the high, where do, where were we in 2007 and where are we now? Um, back in 2007, we achieved our highest rate on our ad valorem taxes, and we received about $100 million that year. The current year, we're at about $63 million. So, you know, we've lost, if you will, about $37 million a year. That's a lot. It is a lot. And, and that's a lot, especially when you look at a, 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 an organization that's very service-oriented. And, and then you have residents and citizens out there that still expect to see the same level of service and they really don't want to hear how much revenue you've lost. Right, right. And we've tried to maintain the services to the community. Um, a lot of times what we've found is that where the employees were doing more with less, we've gotten to some points where they've, they're not able to keep up with that anymore. We've had employees make concessions on their pay and their contributions to their pension to help. And we've, unfortunately, like I said, cut out a lot of the capital um, replacement needs that we've had, and we're starting to have to play catch up on that now. Now, when we take a look at the um, um, the other municipalities in the state of Florida, you said that the main revenue source for the city's general fund um, is, is property taxes. How does that compare to other municipalities and their uh, general funds? I know here in Cape Coral, we do not utilize all the potential funding 
uh, mechanisms that are available to us. What do other municipalities do as far as their reliance on property taxes? Um, they use other, they may have higher franchise um, agreements than we have. For example, a norm for a electric franchise is 6 to 8% and we're at 3%. A lot of municipalities, almost all of them have what is called the public service tax and you're allowed to levy up to a 10% tax on um, bottled gas, natural gas, electric and water services. Um, there's also special assessments like streetlight districts or fire service uh, fees that, that other communities assess in order to drop their reliance on the ad valorem portion and make the payments for those things that people are receiving more fair rather than being based on the value of their home. When we're looking at the demand for the services that the citizens uh, typically are expecting, here in Cape Coral, they, they have uh, some maybe some different expectations in other areas but just because of the when we had the foreclosure issue and a lot of the abandoned properties. But um, how does, just in general, how do, do the demands com compare to the level of funding that we have available to us? Right now, I think that we're we're meeting the basic demand for service. I think that res, as a resident, you know, we always like to have more and we like to pay less for it. Um, we've gotten to the point though, the items that we use to provide that service have, are in a point of critical need. Um, our police vehicles, our fire trucks, our, you know, being able to maintain the park system to provide for road resurfacing. So the things that we use to provide those services, you know, are starting to become in jeopardy. Now, the new CM, John Zerlag, he has uh, discussed just in general, he's only been here now for a couple of weeks, but he's already broached the subject of a, a three-year budget. As a, as a budget professional, um, how would the city of Cape Coral benefit from having a three-year budget plan? We would benefit in being able from a f more of a forecasting, looking ahead and projecting. And so those those things that we see as professionals coming down the road that councils will have to address, you know, shortfalls in revenues or spikes in expenses because of the needs we have, we can we can be out in front and advising council and helping them to make good decisions about the way that they can we, they can still meet the needs of the community. Um, in the past, we have not done a multi-year budget, and if we have one implemented, we still have to go through the annual adoption process requ required by statute with setting the millage rate and having our public hearings for the citizens to participate in. Well, it sounds like an interesting option, though. Yes, yes. Well, we're going to be going through the budget process over the next few months. We'll have public hearings in September, so we want to encourage our citizens to kind of keep keep up to date on this. And if you want to have some input into our budget process, look for those hearing dates in, in mid-September. Uh, as we go through it and as we get closer and maybe wrap it up, I'll have Sheena back here and we'll talk a little bit more about the budget. So I want to thank Sheena for joining me today on CapeCast Audio 20. And we'll see you next time. I'm Connie Barron. Have a good week.